The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we're working even harder in the age of COVID and a pending recession to make sure you get the information and inspiration you need to help sellers take advantage of the opportunities that are coming up here Increase your financial independence and that of your family and at the same time help stimulate the economy for the quickest possible recovery and especially, of course, in the very, very, very important housing sector of the business, making money doing good. How can you how can you beat that? And we are continuing today with our um sort of lightning review of different different strategies that we've talked about here on Real Life Real Estate before and how they react to chaotic markets like what happens when what happens to wholesaling when all of a sudden there's nothing on the market and lots of people looking to buy but then what happens next is there's lots of stuff on the market and fewer people looking to buy and similarly with retailing and rentals and creative finance and all of those sorts of things so we're we're bringing up we're bringing uh, back experts some of who have, whom have actually been on fairly recently to address this entirely new situation and kind of help you get your brain around what you are likely to see in the next year, 18 months, two years uh, in their particular field so that it doesn't surprise you, so that you're prepared for it and so that you are positioned to take advantage of whatever opportunities that strategy might offer and also dodge any pitfalls that come with a declining market in that strategy. So to that end... I'm just I'm pulling the most experienced people I know in every field onto the show with me today and what that or this this uh, during this time and what that means today is that Donna Bauer is joining us again to talk about uh the note and mortgage market and what happens uh with note buyers and particularly buyers of uh the sort of seller held financing that she specializes in and what happens with uh folks who are flipping notes and sellers who are selling notes and she is joining us from her home in Fairfield <laughs> it's 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 like 10 miles from here but you know we can't we can't pull multiple people in the studio so she's joining us by phone uh welcome Donna thank you Vina it's great to be here <laughs> it's it's great it's great to see you Donna <laughs> I'm pretending like I'm seeing you 
Because okay, like you're the, you're the one guest that I can always depend on to be like, yeah, I'll just come over to the station. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> no. When, when Sarah said she was going to send me the information, I thought, wait a minute, I'm just going to go there. <laughs> no, you've been in the studio. You know we can't sit six, six, six feet apart in here, right? That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just way too small. So um, for for anybody out there who might be listening to us for the first time or who may have somehow missed your total dominance of this industry over the last 10 years, can you can you just give us a, a real brief overview on what really the, the bulk of your 30 plus year career has been in, which is uh, investing in but also flipping a pretty specific thing, which is like seller-held notes and mortgages. That's right. Um, for the last 30 years, I've been involved in seller carrybacks. Um, I also have done the non-performing notes as well. One of the beauties of doing notes is that you can kind of go with the flow. And um, in the last downturn, I, I boy, we, we were more heavy probably on the non-performing notes although uh, there was a silver lining to that, and I also got more seller carrybacks uh, performing ones than I had ever seen before. Uh, so when there's a downturn, it's real funny how things work out. Uh, the note business seems to boom either way. But my favorite, having done you know all different types of notes, what I prefer to do and have really settled into is, like you say, the seller carryback notes, mm-hmm. where someone owned their own home, um, they sold it. They carried back a mortgage and said, hey, I'll, I'll be the bank. You can pay me over time. And then a year or two into it, they decide, oh, I wish I had gotten my cash right now. Well, I would step in and cash them out of that mortgage so that they could have their money and go do whatever they want to do. And then their buyer would then make payments to me. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I really enjoy doing and have done quite well at for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So we've had we've had various experts here on Real Life Real Estate over the years who have um, talked on both sides of that. In fact, I think you debated one of them one time on the show. Um, we've had people who say, "Yeah, seller carrybacks are the best," and people who say, "Oh no, you should you should buy all your notes from banks." What do what is it you like about the seller carryback world? I love the seller carryback world because. Um, can I tell you why I don't like the bank world? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Just torpedo the competition instead of, (laughs) and then, and then you can come back and tell us why, why you you like seller held instead of don't like banks. Having done both of them, the issue with dealing with the non-performing bank loans is that they change their rules, you know, every, every, every couple days. Uh, the laws change, the bank's particular parameters change, and it just got to be so much red tape. Just when you think you've got everything down pat, you know exactly what they want, how many days it's going to take for this, and then they they pull the rug out from under you and you got to start all over again. And it's just a lot of red tape, a lot of wasted time. The, the profits are great, don't get me wrong, but I, I just don't like working like that you're a and rebel you I don't found, like following other people's rules yeah i'd rather <laughs> make the rules myself <laughs> um and and you can make a lot of money doing that but the problem is it takes so long um 
I would much rather do the performing seller carrybacks, which, as I said, even during that market, oh, my goodness, those were flourishing then because people couldn't get a bank loan. So if they wanted, uh, if somebody wanted to sell their house, um, they would wind up providing the financing because their buyers could not get a bank loan. So I saw more seller carryback notes then. It was just totally amazing. And I settled in on that because I really, really like dealing with private individuals. I like being able to help them and turn their, their notes into cash. It's, it's just a great way. It, thoroughly enjoy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so what you do is much more people-oriented and deal or Like you're dealing one-on-one with a seller who's got a problem, in this case with a note, not a property. You you get to, you know, probably be more creative in solving that particular problem. It's much less rule-bound. And I'm I'm guessing... Based on if as I'm as I'm mentally counting how many people do what you do versus how many people do the other thing, I'm guessing you probably have less competition. That's probably true. Um, when I first started doing the non-performing notes and buying notes from the bank, nobody bought notes from the bank. Um, we're talking about in the 1990s, and nobody bought notes from bank. Banks didn't realize that investors were a viable uh, resource for them. And um, when the downturn came, I had banks calling me up saying, hey, you know, are you interested in any of our notes? They were calling me. Hmm. And um, so it really uh, – and, and what I was also doing was I was doing short sales back then, and I would use the short sale in order to get my foot in the door. And then I would say, hey, wouldn't you rather sell me the note? And the banks would say – what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, don't you ever sell your notes? And the person, the loss mitigation officer, would call me back. Hey, I talked to Bill down the hall, and he says we do sell notes, but usually we sell them to funds in different places. But you're telling me you'd buy this note? I say absolutely. And so I was very instrumental in opening the door and getting the word out there that in, in private investors are a great source for banks to sell their non-performing notes to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it didn't change the fact that they still have all this red tape that you have to go through. You don't control the deal at all. You're totally at their mercy. Um, there's so many unknowns. When you're dealing with a non-performing note, um, you might plan that you're going to do workouts on all of your notes. But then you you foreclose or, or you, you buy the note and you go to do the workout and the homeowner's long gone. You've got a vacant, torn-up house. And and I don't mean to paint just a bad picture. You can make a lot of money doing non-performing notes. There's no question about it. But there are a lot of pitfalls, and I don't think it's wise for a beginner to uh, start out with non-performing notes. They'd be much, much better off to start with the seller carrybacks. But if you are an experienced um, rehabber and real estate investor, there are huge profits to be made in non-performing banknotes, but you have to be willing to bow down to them, if you will, and you know go by their terms, and, and you don't really know how it's all going to turn out until it's all said and done. But I would say, like, if you were to buy, like, 10 banknotes, you know, a good portion of those 
you probably aren't going to make anything on. And then you'll have two or three that you do pretty well on, and then you might have one that's an absolute home run that, that is, makes it all worthwhile, you know. So it's a completely different ball game than working with seller carrybacks, which you're dealing normally with one party, the individual note seller, maybe their spouse, and it, it, you, you control the entire transaction. And I can buy a private seller carryback note, and then I can turn around and I can sell it to an investor without having any of my own money invested in it. And I can easily make ten, fifteen thousand dollars a deal, and it can be done in thirty, forty-five days. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. me, that's a lot more attractive than working on a bunch of notes that some will pan out and some won't. <laughs> and for sometimes many years in a row on the same note <laughs> with those non-performing ones. All right, so we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit more about the seller finance note strategy, and then get Donna's take on what's likely to happen over the course of the next year or two with seller finance notes. If you have any questions about notes, the market, whatever, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or alternatively send us an email. The address is askvina, that's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Donna Bauer, one of the wild, wonderful women of real estate, who's been <laughs> who's been doing seller-held notes since she was doing them from her kitchen table at the age of five, which is weird because she had four kids, <laughs> which is why she was working from home. She had four kids, four babies at home. Um. And uh, kind of developed that into a very, very sizable and well-known business. Over a thousand transactions in the in the in the subsequent time. So she knows an awful lot about how these work and issues that can come up. And and the long, long, long um, history of experience means she's done this when the market was booming, when the market had busted, every time in between. So if you have uh, if you're in this strategy or it's something you've been thinking about being in, or you, at the end of this show, you say, oh, maybe I should really check that out. Um, and you have questions for Donna, 877-772-9658 is the number here in the studio. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. So, um, Donna, you mentioned that you... Uh, your business is kind of founded on this this other thing that is happening before you get involved, which is that a seller is agreeing to take payments on his property, and that could be a house, or it could be an apartment, or heck, it could be a mobile home park. You know, who 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 knows who knows what kind of property we're talking about here. The important thing is, the seller got an offer where the buyer said, instead of giving you cash, let me make you payments, and the seller said yes. Why does that happen? It For a lot of reasons. Um, the biggest one I already mentioned is that, especially in a tight market, um, if the buyer, if bank financing is not readily available and somebody wants to sell their house, they don't have any other choice. And that's what I saw so much of in 2008. Um, 
But besides that, um, a lot of times it's because they want to sell quickly. Um, you don't have to wait for the bank to approve and all that kind of stuff. As quick as you can get title and appraisal, if the buyer wants an appraisal, and half the time you don't even need that. Um, so it, it's a lot quicker. Um, you have a much broader uh, potential market because there are a lot of people out there that are very well qualified and will pay you on time, but they don't look good on paper to a bank. So they may not qualify for a bank loan because they changed professions or they haven't been at their new job for two years, crazy things like that. Or maybe they had a, a one-time credit glitch, and, and so now their credit score isn't good. But, but a lot of times that can be a very um, – it's something that you can understand happening. If their husband had a heart attack and all of a sudden now, you know, they've got medical bills, but previous to that, if they always operated on time or paid everything on time, um, that to me, that's not a problem. Uh, so I look at their whole credit history, whereas banks often just look at, at just one thing or, you know, the immediate. So there's lots of people out there that would, would qualify and be good payers for you that could never get bank financing. Mm -hmm. That's why people will offer it themselves. Also, a lot of them want to keep their money invested in the property. What would they do with cash? You know, maybe they don't want to do the stock market. They don't have another place to put it. Why not leave it invested in the property and get a really nice rate of return? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you hear you hear all kinds of you know, sellers of notes are like sellers of property. Everybody's got their own story, and you do, and you don't know what it is until you've talked to them. Right. And and, and part of I know what you, what I know you're going to encourage people to do is obviously once they've learned how to actually evaluate these things and know what to pay for them and how to do the paperwork and all that stuff, just to get on the phone with some sellers and see what they have to say, because you can't. Right. It's real easy. It's real easy to sit and say, "Well, if somebody's getting their payment every month. Why would they want to stop getting payments?" And the answer is, "I don't know yet." Tell you tell me, right, Mister Seller? You tell me why you don't want to get your payments oh, anymore. A, I mean, a big reason is COVID nineteen. Yeah, I, I will tell you, Vina. When the quarantine hit, man, my business started booming. People who were not interested in selling their notes before, all of a sudden they need to sell. They need cash. And, I mean, it was crazy. Um, so things happen. And COVID-19 was a big reason. People needed money to pay their employees. They needed money for their family because they weren't working. I mean, things happen. Um, and, and even before COVID, I mean, just normal life circumstances. People get divorced. They get married. They want to start a business. They have medical issues. Their life situation changes. And all of a sudden, these small, you know, $800 a month payments or whatever it is, all of a sudden that doesn't look so good when instead they could have $100,000 if they sold the note. And they'd rather have the lump sum of cash rather than the small monthly payments over a period of time. Mm -hmm. And I'm making a note to myself right now that says we need to go back and discuss how you're getting a lump sum of $100,000 cash when you don't have a $100,000 cash, because I think that's <laughs> going to be, I think a, a bunch of listeners probably just went, oh, well, 
I'm out. If you need a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> cash, I can't. No. I, hey, you know you know my story. I was babysitting for a dollar an hour when I started out, and that was thirty over thirty years ago now. And um, I, I closed my first deal way back then and made over five thousand dollars on my first deal. I had no money to invest in it, and I haven't stopped since. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty awesome. We'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, and let me um. Let me make this about me for a minute, <laughs> since I'm sitting here in the okay. studio and you can't stop me. Um, so uh, I bought my first seller held note, I guess it's been about a year ago, because you know, once you buy them, you kind of forget about them because the payments just come in every month and it's nice. But, they, they're, you know, there's not a lot of drama <laughs> to, 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 yeah. to, get, to catch your attention. And the seller situation was that. They had this tenant who they really, for, for some reason, they felt this like deep emotional attachment and sense of responsibility to the tenant. And the tenant had been saying for years, well, I want to buy this house. I want to buy this house and had been paying rent on time, doing all that stuff. But of course, what they hadn't done was get qualified for a bank loan. Mm-hmm. So the seller called a, a mutual student of yours and mine. He's, he's taken my wholesale classes and he's taken your note classes mm-hmm. and said, well, I, I hate to do this. It breaks my heart, but I have to sell this house. I just can't. I just can't. You know, we need the money. And, and I know y'all are going to want to kick this tenant out and everything, but and I hate to do it, but I have to sell the house. And the student went, wait a minute. Is there a way to keep that? Is there a way to sell this tenant the house, which is what she really wants and still make me some money? you know, the students some money. And mm-hmm. what he what he did was he had the seller uh, convert the agreement that they had with a tenant from a lease option that had long since expired to a uh, seller held note and mortgage. And I was I was with him every step on the way of the way on that because he wanted me to buy the mortgage. And I was like, OK, if, if I'm gonna buy it, it's got to meet certain requirements. <laughs> right? Right. It's got to have some right. it's got to have some certain, uh, you know, interest rates and paperwork and all that sort of stuff and he it took a couple of months but he put that deal together with the seller and I bought the note at the table and this is you know understand this tenant is has been paying rent on this place for like 12 years or something they're not going to stop and I bought it at a rate of return that's like 16 17 percent (laughs) <laughs> and and the student who put the deal together, of course, made quite a bit of money. And the seller got every dime that they would have gotten for the house and got to walk away feeling like, the, the you know, they took care of their tenant, right? They did, they did right by exactly. their tenant. So there's all these stories out there. And I know you're laughing into your sleeve because I told you 20 years ago I would never buy a seller held note. But... Um, exactly. <laughs> the, here you are. And here I am. Um, the uh, the it, it was just like a win 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 all the way around. And and the only reason that was able to happen was because the student who got the call understood notes, understood seller held notes. Right. I, and that, and I think I know exactly the deal you're talking about. That was a sweet deal for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you were probably working with him on the other. So he's probably like calling both of us all the time, saying, oh, no, "What do I do next? What do I do next?" <laughs> So yeah, they can be they can be really um, they can be really profitable, and there's uh, there's a lot more problem solving skill 
that you can exercise once you understand how all of these things work. So uh, in any case, um, so you're, you've said that at the moment you are seeing what we have to hope is a is a short term effect of of people kind of battening down the hatches and saying, I need my cash. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I, I'm sure some of this is uh, sellers worrying about their buyers defaulting at some point, right? Because, you know, do they? Do well, they... I, I would like to speak on that. I want to clarify what I was talking about was people who were receiving payments on a seller carryback and now needing cash. It wasn't a matter that they were holding on to their cash or needing to tie things down, but it was a matter that they, they got financial needs and they need money. But on the other side of that, uh, as soon as this hit and, you know, people started calling me, what are we going to do with the notes I'm holding? What if we can't evict tenants? What if we can't foreclose on people? What's this going to do to my rate of return if there's a six-month moratorium on payments and stuff? And the tendency is to freak out, you know? And then, then I got out my calculator and I started working on things. The fact is that normally, I mean, without, it's just the normal process. Like you said, when you bought that note, you got a 16 or 17% return uh, because you bought it at a discount. The, the payer wasn't paying you 16 or 17% return. They could have been paying 5%. Mm-hmm. But, because you bought that at a discount, it is very easy for you to you could you could actually offer the note seller, hey, are things you know kind of slow? You having problems because you're not at work? What if we? Uh, what if I give you a six month moratorium on your payments? And what I'll do is I'll take those six months and we'll just tack them onto the end of your of your mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I ran the numbers on this. I actually did a webinar on it and did uh, multiple different scenarios. I mean, depending on the actual note, it only affects your rate of return by a quarter of a percent or a half of a percent. Mm-hmm. And we're we're buying these and getting such huge uh, rates of return to begin with. It's no big deal mm-hmm. if we need to acquiesce and help the people out and and, and work with them. Uh, and and I think people were kind of shocked at that, but that that's just the nature of it. It's mm-hmm. one of the beauties of doing notes and buying them at a discount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and well, also, also the the fact that the fact that you had students who were like educated in this, freaking out a little bit at the beginning of this, probably says a lot about how many sellers who aren't educated. They just took a note back. I mean, most most of these sellers they really didn't have much of an idea of what they were doing when they agreed to take payments. So they just kind of went, oh, "Okay, sounds good." And imagine how they might be freaking out and exactly. that, you know, when when other people get anxious to to rid themselves of an asset, that's typically a really good time to start buying that asset. And we need to we need to take another break. Remind me when we get back to talk about that hundred thousand okay. dollars. We need to talk about the hundred thousand dollars. In the meantime, if you have any questions for Donna, eight seven 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 two nine six five eight or askvina at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones Cox. My guest today, Donna Bauer, and 
it seems like Donna's been on an awful lot lately. Well, you know, I interviewed her back when everything was peachy keen, and I think I needed to talk to her again now that it's not all peachy keen for everybody in the whole world. So, um, Donna, this is, I was thinking during the break, this is one of those topics that doesn't necessarily lend itself super well to radio because there's so many paths we could go down on this. Right. Like there's so many things to, to learn and to know. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned offhand evaluating notes is it's it's not like the note is not worth what the house is worth if you think you know how to if you think you know how to do it because oh i can comp houses that's not no like that's not even the tip of the iceberg uh in note evaluation so i wanted to invite every single solitary human being who is listening to the show tonight to come to your presentation tomorrow night at cincinnati ria since it is online they could attend wherever they were because you'll have slides right you'll be able to sort of of draw people pictures of how a lot of this stuff works and it's 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 this is actually one of those things that um it, it it is easier for donna to sort of show you all the different stuff that goes into buying and flipping notes when she's got her slides and she literally has graphs of you know and then this person puts up the money and then this person over here gets the income um, so she really does. I'm not kidding. So the yeah. way the way you could the way you could get a link to that, um, all, all members of Cincinnati Rea are free, and all first time guests are free. So if you've never attended a Cincinnati Rea meeting before, this would be a good one to come to. Uh, it's CincinnatiRea.com. That's Cincinnati R E I A dot com. You'll see the meeting announcement on the front page. Click on the link. It'll take you over to registration. It'll also tell you what else is going on at the meeting because um, I'm actually giving a presentation from 6 to 7 on uh, un- understanding how to buy properties with seller financing. That's, that one's really for beginners. So, you know, you can skip that one if you're not a beginner. But And then Donna is on at 730. So com. grab a link. We'll send you a reminder tomorrow and you can come and hear Donna at 7.30 Eastern Time and not even leave the comfort of your own couch. Heck, Donna will be sitting on her couch, so we'll all just be super comfortable. Um, okay, so so let's talk about that $100,000 because I think I think sometimes people are, are very interested in the note business, but they have this perception that you have to be like a big money you know, almost like a hedge fund level. I got to have a million bucks in cash if I'm going to go out and and buy notes. And it, er, early in your business, and even continuing to now, although you've kind of flipped position where often you are the money person, right. you, you've 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 actually either uh, flipped notes or partnered on them so that one person has the cash and the other person has the deal, and they both make money. Can you can you explain a little bit about uh, all right, I found that I found that seller. He's got a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar note. I like. He's agreed to take a hundred thousand cash. I don't have it. Now what? Okay, so the easiest way to do this when you don't have your own money is to get a note under contract. Any time that you negotiate a good deal, I don't care if it's on a note, a property, a boat, a car, you can always resell that for cash. 
And so you get it under contract to buy. Maybe you can buy the note. Um, let, let's say it's a $120,000 note. You might be able to buy it for 90000 Okay, but you don't have $90,000. So what you do is then you get it under contract maybe to sell it to an investor for $100,000. You just made 10 grand on the deal. You're going to buy it for 90 and sell it to them for 100. And everybody's happy. The note seller got $90,000 cash instead of waiting for little payments for the next 30 years. You got $10,000 in cash you walk away with at the table, and your investor just bought a $120,000 note for only $100,000. So he could easily be getting a 15 20% rate of return on his money. So it's a matter, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head, Bina. It's so much easier to explain this when I have my slides up, and I will absolutely be covering that tomorrow night. But um, it, it is a very simple process. But you do need to know the proper way to do it. Um, the one thing I want to stress is I never, quote, broker a note. Uh, never. I, if, if I do not have the cash to buy it myself, I act as a principal in the transaction. I buy it and resell it. And you can do that with a simultaneous close. Mm -hmm. Now, I know some of your listeners are probably going, wait, she doesn't even know. You can't do a simultaneous <laughs> close if you have you're buying a house well that's true but we're not buying the house we're buying the note mm -hmm. and so we do that with a simultaneous close or another very simple way just like i know lots of your listeners have assigned contracts when they get a house uh under contract to buy but they don't really have the money they could assign that contract to another investor and pick up five or ten thousand mm dollars -hmm. you can do exactly the same thing with the note Mm -hmm. So there's a number of different ways. Those are the, the two most popular ways. Mm -hmm. And and this is, uh, you know, this is another lesson in the fact that just because you, Mr. Listener or Ms. Listener, don't have $100,000 and really need cash does not mean that that is how everybody is. There, there are a lot of people who do have $100,000, and what they need more than anything else in the world is a place to put that where they can get a really good return with reasonable safety, right? I mean, no no, no deal of any sort is always 100% safe, but I mean, they, they, they can, these are, these are educated people who can look at the node and look at what they can find out about the property and they can say, well, you know what, if I had to foreclose on this, like if everything just went kablooey and I had to foreclose on this, I'd actually be happy to own the house, too. So, you know, exactly. I, I'm good with that small possibility. And I'm also really good with getting a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 percent return on the money. Because I think I think a lot of new investors, when they hear stuff like, well, you can flip a note and make ten thousand dollars they think oh yeah but who's who's got a hundred thousand dollars to buy it the answer is lots of people lots a and lots and lots of people. of people and and the thing is if you do your evaluation like i teach you you can make a note as safe as you want it to be um the safety lies in the equity in the property and the more equity the safer the deal and so I'm very careful, I'm very methodical about the way I evaluate a note. I look at the property, I look at the payor, I look at the note itself, 
And so with notes, it's not, will I collect my money? The worst <laughs> thing would be, is is it going to take me a little longer to get my money? <laughs> when am I going to collect know, my money? You know, it's default. <laughs> What's yeah. that? I said, when am I going to collect my money? Yeah. Yes. And. Yes. And, you know, again, newer folks might might not be aware that there there's already an entire community built around this. I mean, if if you if you even go to I don't know about other real estate associations, but if you go to Cincinnati Re or you go to Cori and you stand up in front of the room and say, hey, I've got a note for sale. If anybody's interested, give me a card like you, you'll there will be a rain of cards, you know, like, like you, you, you will it'll look like a wedding. It'll look like rice at a wedding. Because that it, this isn't something that you know we only we only get to talk about it at at RIA meetings maybe once a year, but it's something that a lot of people do year round. So it, it's not like you know you're out there alone trying to find a buyer for a note. There's there's buyers already. You don't have to train them. They're already in existence. You don't have to talk them into it. You just have to say, here's what I got. Do you want it? Kind of like real estate. Uh, okay, we need to take one final break. When we come back, we're going to get Donna's uh, forecast for the next 24 months in the seller note buying business. And we're going to answer your questions, um, uh, all of which have come through askvina at gmail.com. If you've got any last minute questions, again, that's askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Donna Bauer, and we're sort of, we're sort of talking through the seller finance note business. In other words, not, not you being the seller who carries back the note, although we have talked about that before. And if you wanted to listen to that interview, it's at realliferealestate.com. Uh, we're talking about you being in the business of either buying and investing in yourself or possibly flipping or, you know, a third option that unfortunately, Donna, we're not really going to be able to get to tonight because we're running out of time is as partnering. Somebody else puts up the money and you get part of the return over the long term as opposed to just, uh, you know, I got my I got my five or ten thousand dollars and now I'm outie. But um there were a couple of questions that I wanted to clean up here out of the uh, gmail.com inbox. And you're going to love this one. This is from Jamie. Jamie doesn't say where I'm assuming it's a she is from. But she says, how much contact with other human beings is required to do this business? I haven't heard you say that you're going into any houses as you're doing these notes and mortgages. I love that question. Vina, I have my own stimulus plan. It's make money from home doing notes. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I've been doing this, well, at home for the last 10 years. I used to have a great big office and seven people staff, but for the last 10 years I've been working from home, so nothing changed for me. But, no, you don't need to meet any any people. Um, you can work right from your own home. Um, you need to have access to Internet, phone and overnight mail and FedEx will pick it up you don't even have to go to the FedEx box they'll just come to your door and pick up whatever you have Mm -hmm. or deliver it to you so um, the beauty is that you can do all of your marketing on the internet over the phone Uh, people call you up they want to sell their note you get the information um, you give them a quote you send them the contract everything is done by mail or on the phone you never have to leave your own home 
Mm-hmm. It's it's an awesome. It's a perfect business for this particular time in our country uh, because it's perfect if you're quarantined and um, you can make money and you're helping people. The big thing I get a lot of reward. I love to help people. I love when somebody needs cash and I can give them cash. I had a deal, Vina, that took me two months to do. Nobody could put this deal together. It was an it was a, an excellent note, um, and the guy was selling it. It was secured by a property in California, only he had lost his original note. Oops. And you would not believe what we had to go through on that. But when we finally got it done, it was like, man, praise the Lord, nobody else could do this, you know? <laughs> and I was able to get him the cash, he was thrilled, and it just—I get as much excitement out of that as the money I made doing the deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, right now, with so many people needing cash and wanting to sell their seller carryback notes, um, it's just—it's it, the perfect storm, if you will, or I mean, it's a perfect scenario. This is—I'm gonna—I'm gonna ask you this question even though it's going to seem super obvious to you because it's also a really common misunderstanding when, when we say things like people are going to get 15, 16, 17% interest. So Jordan says, did she just say she charges people 17% interest on mortgages? Isn't that illegal? It, that is such a common misconception, Jordan. Don't, it, it's an excellent question. So the situation is that when you buy a note, there are two profit centers in it. One is whatever interest rate that uh, the owner of the property is paying. It could be 5%, very low. Mm -hmm. But you're also building in a profit because it could be a $100,000 mortgage, but you're only paying $80,000 for it. So in addition to 5% interest, you've got this $20,000 chunk of money that is extra profit. And that extra profit added to the 5% is what will enable you to get 15, 20, and I don't even want to tell you how high the interest rate <laughs> your rate of return because you say, I don't believe you. She's lying. And, There's no way. <laughs> yeah. I will, I, I, if, it, you, if you do marketing on your own and you go out and look for deals, it is not unusual for you to get, if you had your own cash and you were going to buy them and not have a middle person, uh, it would not be unusual for you to make 25% on your money right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, the and I will say, Jordan, I had a hard time wrapping my brain around that for a really long time because I couldn't understand why if the interest rate on the note was 4.5% and that didn't change just because I bought the note, how in the world was I making 15 And what... I don't know if this will help you, but what helped me was over breakfast at Perkins one day, Donna, Donna said, Donna said, okay, think about it this way. It's a $125,000 note at 4.5% interest, right? Okay, yeah, I get it. And you're paying $90,000 for it, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, but what are you collecting? And I said, 4.5% interest. And she said, on how much money? And I went, oh, on 125. I get it. I only put in 90, but they still owe 125. So I'm collecting 4.5% on 125, which is something bigger than 4.5% on the 90 I have invested. And I don't need to know how to do the math in my head to understand that it's but, no but longer 4.5. And, and, 
in addition to that, Dina, you're going to get that. I, now I don't remember your numbers, but the thirty-five thousand or whatever that was, the difference. That's principal that you're also going to collect. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're not just going to get extra interest on. That is true, and I remember <gasps> us having breakfast and saying that. But you also get the principal, the amount of discount that you negotiated. So, right. I, what were your numbers? One hundred and twenty thousand. One hundred twenty-five note paid ninety for it. So you've got thirty-five thousand dollars of principal that you're going to collect if you didn't pay. For, I mean, you have no money invested in that. Yep. You only have you only paid ninety thousand. Yeah. Ninety plus the. Thirty-five is yeah. twenty-five. Plus, and, as Vina said, you get interest on the whole amount. And and Jordan, I would strongly suggest go to CincinnatiRia.com and grab a link for the meeting tomorrow night if you can possibly be there at all. Because you know, again, it's it's harder for Donna to explain this without having her slides up than it is when you see it all written out. Okay, so Donna, let's assume that once we're out of this quarantine stuff and whatnot, that we are in a full-on recession that we don't get, you know, everybody doesn't get reemployed immediately, that there's more properties on the market, that potentially house prices are going down a little bit. What does that mean for the seller finance note business? I I believe that people all, well, I know, it's not I believe, people always need money. There are always seller carryback notes. And in a, in a, if the banks aren't lending money, then there's going to be even more seller finance notes created. And at some point in time, people will want to cash out of them because their life situation changes. And so, I mean, historically, whenever there's been a downturn in the market, my business booms. And and not only for the seller finance, but I got to tell you, I'm getting ready because I'm going to buy, buy, probably buy some non-performing notes too, even though I just that I really can't stand them, but there's <laughs> money to be made, and there's going to be a whole bunch of them coming up over the next couple of years. So, mm-hmm. so more, more, more. If we if we call the seller held notes that we're going to buy, if we call that inventory, you think you will you, you think we will see more of that? Mm-hmm. And I in the 2001 recession when the when the stock market had kind of crashed and burned, I know there were yeah. there were a lot of of uh, what we called stock market refugees, new yeah. buyers for notes because they they were looking to diversify. They'd taken their That's money exactly. out of the stock market and they were looking so potentially more buyers for the notes. And I don't know. It all sounds like good news from the note and mortgage perspective. It really, really is pretty awesome. Well, I look forward to competing with you some more then. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. I love again, it. Go, go ahead. All right. So, again, you can grab a link to come see Donna Bauer at the Nonprofit Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meeting tomorrow evening by going to CincinnatiRia.com. You can be there as early as 6 o'clock. There's also an early workshop for new investors about uh, creative financing when you are being the buyer of a rental property or similar. Uh, We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. So, until then... Happy investing.